Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Your center. Wow. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash Radio Network. It is 4 o'clock here in the Mile High City, and if you haven't guessed already, the next hour on Nothing But Net is all about the Denver Nuggets. Joining me today, I do have one co-host. It is Denver Stiff senior writer Gordon Gross down in Colorado Springs. Gordon, what is up? Not much. Just glad to be doing the podcast. And uh, if there's only two of us, we might actually get to all the points you want to talk about. So you know, good for us. We will. Right out of the right out of the gate, brief tangent. Uh, because you're of course the, there is. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Gordon, you are of course a, a longtime Mariners fan. So. Um, just would like to point out, you know, the Rockies are in the playoffs. I am very happy for the Rockies. Um, the Mariners get what they get. They're uh, about 15 years ago. They talked shit about the Indians and about the fact that it was going to be a reload, not a rebuild for the Mariners. And they have not made the playoffs since. They've been rebuilding or reloading ever since. Yep, they've been reloading every year for, what is it, 18 years now? Yeah, Whatever. Like Wasn't like Robinson Cano supposed to be the, uh, you know, the guy who's going to turn this all around for well, the worst guys. part about it is that the Mariners have any number of Hall of Famers who have been certifiably great. Robinson Cano has been absolutely spectacular for the Mariners since they got him. Nelson Cruz has been spectacular. Ichiro was spectacular. It doesn't matter. Like Felix was spectacular. Now that he's he's aged out now, but right. they they have plenty of talented players who are spectacular and Hall of Famers. They just can't build a team. It's the craziest thing to watch. I'm trying to think of the of a comparable team in the NBA that has nothing but Hall of Famers come through that can't do anything with them. Um, the Knicks, kind of, but they don't even really have that many yeah. Hall of Famers, though, man. Like that's that's why, like, usually in the NBA, if you have Hall of Famers, you had a good team. Like you, you know right. what you're doing. Everything will be great. I guess it would be the Clippers with like you know Blake and Chris Paul. Or what about but the at least they got to the playoffs? Well, yeah, the Timberwolves could be. I mean, you know, that you got Kevin something. Garnett. You think? I mean, I don't know if Kevin Love yep. will be a Hall of Famer. Well, Kevin Love too. Close. Yeah, the, I, I would. I would guess the Timberwolves will be it, especially if they screw this up with Butler and uh, uh, they have Carl uh, Anthony Towns and he can't get it done. 
Right, that's like, right. That, that would be a thing. I was going to say, we, you know what, I didn't even put that on a rundown today, because it's really not... not uh... I think I think a lot of people thought I, I certainly was one of the people I thought that, that Jimmy Butler and the Nuggets would would was a thing. I thought um, potentially b- the Nuggets were going to be one of the the teams Butler wanted to go to. That of course not the case, at least as reported. Right. Um, and so it's kind of just been like it was real quick, you know. For in terms of the Nuggets, it was like oh, oh all right, well that's not that's not <laughs> Nuggets are out. Okay, right? no. <laughs> kind of a weird thing though with all the it was there was so much hype over the off season, so much like smoke about Butler and Denver, and then it's just. Nothing. Oh, well. It is what it is. That is not what we are here to talk about We're today. We're not going to talk about that one today, Zach. That's well, we might, right. but, you know, whatever. Well, it's, it's me and Gordon. We'll, we'll get into plenty of tangents in the next hour. But, um, we uh, of course, we got tons to talk about because it is uh, the NBA season is here. We had Media Day on Monday. The Nuggets Thank are now... God. Right. Yeah. The uh, the the uh, pickaxe pundit show. And listen, we we're not <coughs> we're not trying to turn anybody off. Uh, you should definitely listen to us every week. But uh, we were getting a little grim there towards towards <laughs> the past couple of weeks. But we are we are back, man. The the media day, of course, was on Monday. The Nuggets now out in San Diego. Training camp is in full swing. They have a game tomorrow against the Los Angeles Lakers in San Diego. But at uh, I don't even know where that game's being played. I imagine it's San Diego State or on a beach are. somewhere in the sand. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of the, an outdoor game. Top. They're gonna play style. spike ball. It'll be terrific. <laughs> yes, we would dominate. We'd be league champions. Yeah, don't don't ball. mess with us in spike ball. That's right. That's we may right. not be able to make the playoffs, but we can own spike ball. We will own you in spike ball. No, but yeah. So there's plenty of stuff I want to get to about media day. Of course, we did a big preview last uh, last week, but we weren't we weren't media day had not happened. So now we can follow up on every everything that we heard there. Um, and then we'll, we'll do the discussion about camp right now. I think there's some camp battles that we're, we're following some interesting um, stuff about the rotation players may be playing in different positions that they're, than they're used to. I want to talk about that. And then of course we're going to talk about the Lakers. I, Anybody who's listened to me at any time on the show knows how much I love. How you love the Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> we all know about your Laker love, there, Zach. Right. There's you know, no confusion. I, I hate to give them attention, but I can't. I can't avoid it. Obviously, this week we got to talk about it. Nuggets will actually play the Lakers for the first two uh, preseason games before heading home to play Perth. <clears throat> so we the will dominant <clears throat> Perth team that will come in here. Yep. So yeah, so talking about uh, getting right into media day, I tried to get Tory Craig. Uh, to give us give us a scouting report on the Perth Wildcats, and he uh, he just kind of chuckled. I couldn't quite read him if it was like he was. I think he kind of wanted to be like, "Man, we should dominate Perth." <laughs> he uh, he wouldn't say that. He did mention, of course, you know, the Australian league is very um, very physical, and uh, and and so I asked him, you know, are you guys going to be watching out for Jokic? And he was, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll make sure those guys know that uh, that that that's our that's our star player." So. Um, that that's something to look forward. We'll talk about that more next week. Uh, otherwise, on the media day, I think there there, there was a lot of different storylines, Gordon. But if you were going to pick one, what would you say was the biggest storyline coming out of media day? Well, I think when we recapped it, I picked um, Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. Just his 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 inability to be ready for the season, right? Or at least for at least for training camp. We don't know about the season yet, but. Like I, I based on what they have said, I am not expecting his appearance to be for a lot of minutes on opening on opening night. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I would. I honestly would not expect him to be back. I think some people were even saying it could be as as, as late as December. Um, yeah, before. that's that's what I'm getting out of it. So, and that's fine. But it's again, we have Monte Morris 
the Nuggets prepared for this. That's why Monte has a real contract. Right. You know, besides the fact that he deserved it, he it, it's also useful because they needed another guard for um, backup in case Isaiah Thomas can't go. Right. And the answer is Isaiah can't go, so Monte Morris is going to run the bench, and so that's that's one of the big big news uh, pieces of news out of out of media day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is. Um... That is definitely a good one. I thought. I think. I think it caught people a little bit by surprise. I think obviously we all knew Isaiah Thomas was coming off the hip, but he played last season, um, right. so you kind of figured, all right, well he should be, you know, he should be good to go. Um, and then so when to hear on media day, well, it actually could be, it could be some time, and then it could actually be, you know, um, a month or two into the season before he comes out and plays. That uh, I think that caught everybody. Uh, you know, kind of caught everybody by a little bit of surprise. And now there is uh, sort of a, I don't know if, I, I wouldn't say people would be discouraged by it. I, that's kind of the interesting thing, though, about it. I don't think anybody no. was really looking at like, oh, man, you know, uh, Isaiah Thomas isn't going to play. This could be so bad. It's it's basically because he's house money, right? I mean. They, yeah, yeah. They're not paying him anything. So it's it's not like the, the, there's a bunch of salary cap tied up in him. And they're not expecting him to be good to go for 82 games. But if you told me, well, you're going to get 50 games of Isaiah Thomas, that's good for the price that they're paying. Right, yeah. The, uh, you know, in the middle of the offseason, they weren't getting him at all. It's not like he was a huge free agent sign, and now you're not getting him for, for the first had two dozen games or whatever. Right, right. And I think it's almost, you know, you'd almost prefer to get Isaiah Thomas. You would certainly prefer to get Isaiah Thomas at 100% closer back to what he was with Boston for 50 games than Isaiah Thomas for 70 games at that kind of Cleveland, L.A. Yep. Uh, player that they saw last year you know I, th- I think certainly with like like you brought up with Monty with Monty Morris in the fold you know they have that luxury it's kind of weird the Nuggets haven't really had the luxury of a a true third point guard uh shoot man I don't even know it, it's, we're, it's be... been forever we're uh, we're gonna get into this <laughs> later but I am I am more than stoked about Monte Morris so the fact right. that that it is not a disappointment to me at all that Monte is going to get more minutes that's not a problem for me Right. You know what I'm also happy about uh, is that you mentioned Isaiah Thomas has the biggest story, but you didn't. You didn't go with the Isaiah Thomas causing arguments in the locker room. Blah blah I, blah. I swear, the number of the number of times I had to hear that comment and the po- number of poor players who had to answer. Right. Isaiah talks more than you guys. Did you know that? Yes, we knew that. Is right. it strange? No, he just talks a lot. Okay. Right. It, it, it was this. It was this mind numbing repetitive question to every poor guy who had to answer any question on media day. And I right. just feel bad for the guys. Like they're here to talk about themselves and they're like, this guy who's never played with you, he talks a lot. How do you feel? Right. Talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so here's a little, a little behind the scenes media day thing. Cause I thought it was so funny that everybody was like, well, the big talk out of media day was, you know, Isaiah Thomas and arguments in the locker room and debates, blah, blah, blah. And let, let's say, let's put this out there. Uh, first and foremost, no one at Media Day was trying to paint it as there's some sort of contention or Isaiah's being a problem. Nope. In the locker room. It's it's just uh, the people were trying to get at uh, one person was trying to get at um, you know the the effect having Isaiah Thomas in the locker room is having. They it. had a story to run, and they they exactly. went with every everybody got asked the same question about Isaiah Thomas because one person had a story to work. Right, and and to that person's credit, they got the story. I mean, they and the story worked, and it's yeah, it's fine. Right. There's no problem. You got all the quotes you needed. Right, exactly. but that's why it wasn't it wasn't dominated because that's what 
players wanted to talk about is dominated because that's what the media wanted to talk about. Because that was the about. narrative that was being yeah. pushed. Right, absolutely. Correct. And it was they can being, only answer the questions you ask. Right, and it was being pushed by one person who, I'm not going to say who it is, because quite frankly, I don't know. Um, <laughs> because I've never seen that person at the Pepsi Center before. So right. um, we'll just leave it at that. But I'm, I'm happy that you went that way because yeah, it was sort of a, it was just kind of an interesting thing to me to see. As a person who, um, and as the Stiffs in general, as an outlet who covers this team, you know, religiously and is is there every single game uh, and in every single press conference, it's, it's just kind of interesting to see how how uh, other people are approaching it who aren't there all the time and what kind of stories they're trying to drum up. And so, yeah, I guess you can yeah, tell. Yeah, the, I mean, the once-a-monthers. When the once-a-monthers show up and they want to ask a question, it's always curious to me what story they're working on. Right, right. And so you can tell. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is obviously a big draw. Uh, yep. For for media attention, we've looked at our we've looked at our our hits on our page, and, and I can tell you, I can confirm that Isaiah Thomas is a big, um, a big, big attention getter. Not as big, however, as Michael Porter Jr., who was uh, seems That's to be guy. seems to be the big talk. So let's kind of let's kind of get into that a little bit because we talked about Isaiah and his injury. But so I thought something that was very interesting to come out of media day was the way the team addressed the injuries to Isaiah. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt. And it, what was interesting about it is I didn't think they really were painting a very optimistic picture for any of the three of them. They were all very, very reserved in Mama, saying, yeah, right. And like, yeah, yeah you know, it, there's no timetable. We're taking it day by day. We're just focused on rehab. I, can, I don't know. I mean, did that surprise you at all? How they how they approach that? Or, or is that just, you know, playing the media game and, and, and making sure you're covering your bases? Uh, I would have expected them perhaps to go ahead and um, paint a, a rosier picture. But when the guys are telling you we aren't playing five on five yet, like you know we're not on, we're not doing you know full court drills, we're not whatever. You there's only so far that you can stretch that. The guys yeah. are uh, you know we have Jared Vanderbilt out of a walking boot, so he's progressing. We have Michael Porter Jr. working on core strength, so he's progressing, and we have Isaiah Thomas you know, working on his, his hip stuff with trainers and he's progressing. Right. Like it's not bad news. None of nobody's had a setback. Nobody's right. in pain. Nobody's had more surgery. But you definitely had the um we're in the middle of this recovery process and we're not going to try to um I guess blow smoke. Which is I guess refreshing. Like it's great that they're not gonna try to tell us that everything is sunshine and rosy. Even right. though Michael Porter Junior sounded like the happiest kid on earth to be there. He might as well have yes. had like a Willy Wonka ticket. He was like, if you heard his interviews, that guy was still, he's like, ask me any question on earth. I want to be here and I want to answer them. And right. I could not be a happier person right now. It's, it was, it was great. Very right. Puppy dog. You know, it, it's interesting that you use the word refreshing. And I thought, I thought his interview was quite a bit. I mean, he, he was, when I, when I asked him, um, I can't even remember. I think I asked him how, how he thinks he can fit in with the team and what he can help bring to the team. Yep. Very, very much a softball question. <laughs> I'll put that right out there. But uh, it, it was very – I was very impressed with, with just his demeanor and, and the way he spoke to me as a person. You know, he looked me in my eye the entire time. It was – his answers seemed very sincere. And, right. and like you said, and he, was earnest, he was excited. He was right. earnest, Yeah. Right, and that was it. Was it was very refreshing because there are so many guys on this team, and again, I'm not going to name names. Um, you know, I think if you listen, we we got tons of audio out there on Media Day. You could probably listen to enough and, and figure out um, 
who who you think I'm probably referring to, but I, there there are some guys on 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 the team who just man they they just absolutely hate talking to the media. You can tell they loathe it and they don't want in anything to do with it. And with Michael Porter Jr., it wasn't like he was seeking out attention, but you could like you said you could tell he was genuinely happy to be there and to be talking with people. And that was just, it was a nice change of pace, especially from a young guy. Cause I think a lot of times young guys come in these leagues, especially a guy like Michael Porter jr. Who's hyped up as much as he is. Who's got as much media attention as he does. You know, the, the, I think these guys get with their agents and their agents basically paint the picture of like, Hey, that the me- don't trust the media at all. You know, right. and, and, and be very reserved with them. So, so for him to, I don't know. I just, I just really enjoyed his interview. I thought it was, well, again, I thought he was very well spoken, and well, and, and I liked how we talked about the team too. Right, like I liked, I liked the fact that he was like, "Well, I am doing fine, but I feel like I will fit this team well." You know, we have a great team concept. We have a lot of terrific guys. I just want to fit in. Again, it, it everything. It, you never know with a with a blue chip star who's been the the chosen one since he was you know twelve years old or whatever. Right. Um. It, but it's it's really interesting to see him. Ever since he was drafted, do the I'm humble, happy to be here, want to fit in on a good team, love these guys, want to play basketball, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. And right. that's that's not necessarily – maybe it's from uh, you know the Carmelo experience, but it, that's not necessarily what I expect from a player who is on that level of you know youth, fame, and fortune. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was, it was certainly – Certainly uh, a nice thing to see from him. And, and, you know, and obviously you just hope it carries through because I think with Michael Porter Jr., he's probably going to get frustrated early along because you can tell the guy wants to play. He's got to be yep. chomping at the bit. I mean, it's basically oh, been two yeah. years, you know. So, uh, but the Nuggets the Nuggets have, I kind of think, one of the themes and the reason, bringing it back for full circle about what we were we started talking about here is I think the reason that they were able to be so reserved with with their updates on those guys is they have the luxury of they don't necessarily need any of them right out of the gate. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is probably the yep. one they'd like to have the most out of the gate just because oh, he's sure. an experienced point guard. But they've got the depth. They don't have much depth beyond beyond their 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 actual rotation unit, but the depth that they've got right now doesn't require any of those guys. You know, you think about a guy like Michael Porter Jr. and, and how, how highly touted of a prospect he is, a lot of times – the, you're trying to get that guy back out on on the court as soon as possible because your team's probably pretty bad, right? And so you're you're trying right. to get some, you need to you need to put butts in the seats. You've got right. to do whatever. And again, I what I like about about Michael Porter Jr. I don't know his back injury concerns a lot of people because he's had multiple back surgeries. I I understand being concerned. Sure, but I don't worry about him at all in the sense of uh, is he going to play or not going to play. Like if his back isn't good, he won't play. You can't play with a bad back. Right. This is not like, you know, recovering from a hamstring injury or, you know, trying to get your your ACL recovery. Right. You know, a back's a back, man, and if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. But if he's good to go, the Nuggets will find room for him. They will they will absolutely find a place to get him minutes. But they don't need him to be good to go to be good this year. Right. They can win 50 games without Michael Porter Jr. Right, absolutely. Yeah, he is definitely this luxury, and it's a great luxury if he can get back to 100 percent and and be the, the the type of prospect that he's been uh, projected to be at least before the injuries. So, you know, it, it, the Nuggets, it, yeah, the Nuggets with without any of those three guys, without any of uh, Porter, Vanderbilt, or Thomas, are of 46 to what 51, 52 win team. Right. Yep. Yep. Somewhere, somewhere in there, range. like that. That should be their range. 
Right, provided uh, everybody else stays healthy, of course. But. Well, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's your expected range if you have normal health and a normal year. Right, right. So, um, so if those guys all get healthy and can contribute and can remove some of your, I don't know about questionable depth, but um, can make the cream of the crop have to fight for all of their minutes. Right. You know, can force their way into rotation, can force their way into really good minutes on a contending <clears throat> team. This team's only going to be better. Right. You know, that's uh, – it's, it's a luxury. Like you said, There's they have depth. They have enough guys to play every position. Uh, they're a little short at small forward. But, you know, other than that, that's more... fine. They'll just play a lot of guard lineups. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I would say, was, was that a pun intended or <laughs> – <laughs> yes, also that. <laughs> they're, they're short figur- <clears throat> figuratively and literally at the small forward position. Um, they're a little, yeah, a little short. So interesting there, you don't, so you don't see their depth as an issue, because this is something I brought up with T- Tim Connolly. This was the, um, we were talking about people trying to get a story, and I'll have my uh, my story out on this on Monday, but that the story that I was looking for is because I, I actually thought their depth was, um, it's, to me it's a big unknown, because as I told, asked to, Tim Connolly and Coach Malone, I said, you know, last year and pretty much for their entire tenures, they've had the benefit of guys, Darrell Arthurs, the the Devin Harrises, the the Richard Jeffersons, the Mike Millers, the Kenneth Fareeds even. I mean, they've had Wilson Chandler. They've had a bunch of veteran guys and, and had veteran guys on their bench who weren't even playing, but they knew, hey, you know, in a pinch, I can turn to this guy and, and he's a vet and he'll be ready to go. They, I, I, I've realized this. They're back half of their of their entire roster. So basically, from yeah, they're all babies eight through fifteen. They're all in their first NBA contract. Yeah, like without without exception. So I I don't know. It's that that to me concerns now to that, me. See that and that's the difference between talent and experience. I don't think the Nuggets have lost any talent over what they've had the last couple of years. I would agree. If you're looking at you know Richard Jefferson and Mike Miller versus you know Juancho Hernan Gomez and Trey Wiles. Uh, in fact, the other guys are probably more talented at this part of their career. Right. Like the the young guys. Um, but they don't have the experience of being in the moment. They don't have the, oh, I haven't been called on in three weeks, but I can get off the bench and play because I've played my whole life and I'm 35 years old. Right. You know, you don't have that with the kids. They might press a little. They might do whatever. And so I can I can understand that being a concern for Denver, but that's – these guys aren't rookies anymore. They know the schedule. They know the routine. They know how to practice. They know whatever. Yeah. They they have those skills. If they don't have them by year three, year four, I don't know when they're going to get them. And you're you're probably not going to make it, right? That's... Yeah, yeah. It, maybe your next contract's not for you. Like maybe you're going to only get a couple of one years and get out of the league. You know, that's that's how that works. If you can't figure out how to be a good bench player, you know, by year five, then it's that's on you. That's not on the team. Right. Um, so I don't know that, that that lack of experience doesn't, I guess, concern me. I would expect them to figure it out by now. Like, you should know your routine. You should know what you have to do. And you should be able to do it. Trey Lyles did just fine last year. He rolled up off the bench, jumped into the playing time when, uh, when Millsap got injured, started hitting threes and, uh, cutting to the rim and, you know, because they still practice. They still, they still practice with uh, Nikola Jokic. They still know what the offense is supposed to look like. They just right. don't get to do it in games as much. And now that you're going to have a real bench player, or a bench point guard, rather, that, that I think, will help immensely because uh, it's still my feeling that running this team without Jokic on the floor, you have to have a true point guard. You have to have a guy who understands how to play make. Isaiah Thomas can do that. 
Right. Um, he he has this weird ability to both shoot a, an absolute ton and assist an absolute ton. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't. He's he, there are very it's very few guys. He is. There's very few guys who could do that. If you look at guys who have 30% usage and like a 30% assist rate, there's like seven guys ever. Right. And you know Isaiah Thomas is one of those guys. He has a really weird ability to both pass and be a ball hog. I don't understand it. It's um. It's a gift. But Monte Morris, yeah, seriously. But Monte Morris can run an offense and can direct traffic and has been doing it his whole life. So he's young, but I mean he's still older than Jamal Murray. He's older right. than you know a lot of the other guys on this team. So you just let him do what he does, run an actual offense. Get guys in position, and the bench I think will function better for that. They've been missing it since Jameer. That's very that's very true. Yeah, I mean, because even when they had Devin Harris last year, he was he was primarily a wing uh, for for Dallas. Yes. had been for several seasons, so it was kind of a, a weird yeah. He shift. was he had point guard in his history, but he wasn't a point guard. Yes, right, right. All right. So to wrap up the media media day discussion, I think the big. The big thing from last year's media day that that the, everybody noticed was that the Nuggets pretty much dodged the is the expectation to make the playoffs this season. Uh, question: yeah, right. this, Matt Moore from uh, the Action Network was not going to let him slide out of that. That was the very first question in the press conference. Of course, yep. Matt's never shy about asking about asking uh, tough questions, so he threw it out there. And and this time the Nuggets, I mean, they did not. They did not dodge it uh, across the board. Whether it was Tim Connolly, Coach Malone. Every single one of the players, when they were asked about is the expectation to make the playoffs this season, they all said absolutely, unequivocally, yes. Uh, maybe not unequivocally. Yep. No but. flinching. They, they they agree that that is the goal. And I'm glad. I mean, I'm sure it's in there. Uh, if you're getting your annual review, did you make the playoffs is going to be the first check mark. Right, right, yeah. And, and I think for some people, um, you know, it's going to be – Specifically, when maybe you maybe the like, only check mark. Yeah, it might be the only check mark uh, for uh, not not so much the players, but but, but Coach Malone, even Tim Connolly, uh, Arturis Carson. Yeah, remember that whole front office is basically on an expiring deal too. So if if the Nuggets miss the playoffs and and, and it, potentially if they were to miss it badly, I mean it would not uh, would surprise <laughs> surprise me if they cleaned house. So I think with that with that in play and knowing that's that's kind of out there. There wasn't much reason for them not or for them to dodge the answer. I mean, at this point, you've missed the playoffs right. by one game, two years in a row. Everybody's on an expiring deal. Everybody's got to know this. This is what we have to accomplish this season. No, that's that's what's on the table. There's no hesitation. They know what they need. They know what it takes to get there. They were one bucket short, right? Uh, last year of making it. Um, they were one game short the year before that of making it, and it was a Portland game. Um. Like, they know what they need to do, and they know they need to do it against the West. That's going to have to happen. You're going to have to take out some really good teams to get to the playoffs. And they, to a man, all the kids, all the all these rookie contract players seem to agree and understand and even embrace the fact that this is the expectation and this is what we expect. This is what we're going to do. Let's go get it done. And I, I love that they are embracing that sort of pressure. Right. Yeah. That's what you want to see it because this is a young team and has been a young team. And one of the things that has, I think, plagued them so far is they've they've tended to I don't want to say maybe not shy away from challenges, but they've they've downplayed them. And 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 at this point, you know, this 
the Nuggets have pretty much went all in with this core. I mean, this is this is who they are. They they gave, of course, Gary Harris a big contract last season. They they paid they paid Nikola Jokic the max deal. They re-upped Will Barton. I mean, this is the group they're going to go with. So it's nice to see that group understand that hey, this is the expectation, and we're, we've got to go get it. You know, there's if no there's more, a quarter there's no of a billion it. dollars on the table, and that's involved in three or four players. Those three or four players had better be able to step up and make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, let me see where are we at. Uh, yeah, let's just go ahead. And do, let's do this. We'll take a break. Um, me, oh man, me and Gordon. It's always, it's always this way. Um, let's go ahead. <laughs> it's always let's, an adventure. Yeah. Let's let's hit a break, and then when we come back, uh, let's. I want to talk about some stuff we've heard. It's still kind of heard at media day, and then with going into camp, some things we've seen specifically, kind of about the rotation and, and camp battles. And then we will we will dive into that Lakers game, get a quick preview on that, and that'll be the show. So we are going to be on a break and be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back in to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach Mikosh, Gordon Gross. We have, of course, with DenverStiffs.com. Spent the first part of the show talking to everything media day. That was last Monday. Since then, the Nuggets have been out in San Diego, San Diego State University. Maybe one day we'll actually get a training camp here in Denver, but don't hold your breath for that yeah, to happen anytime soon. Yeah, still waiting on a couple of other things, too, so... Right, right, yeah, there's there's a couple of things. There, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, there's, there's a reason the Nuggets don't do training camp in Denver, and that's because they don't have the facility to do a training camp. They have one full court practice uh, practice court in their facility, so they, it's just not... When you've got 
19, 20 players in camp. You know, Coach Malone has said this before. There's just not enough space to be able to run an effective camp in the, in the Nuggets practice gym. So that's why they always end up going somewhere else. This year, at least, they did the guys a solid. They took them to San Diego instead of, you know, That's Omaha. better than going to Creighton. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Nothing against Creighton, but San Diego is nicer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And they did, did solid for all of our guys out there in the media as well. I'm sure they, they, they prefer that right. over Omaha as well. Um but so the Nuggets have been out there, and, and so the thing that we've heard they're working on, and the thing that Coach Malone said at Media Day, uh, specifically about one player, was Trey Lyles, and that Trey Lyles is a guy that they're going to look at potentially playing the three. And even Trey said it himself. He said, yeah, you know, we've been working on some stuff and some situations with him at the three. Gordon, what do you think, man? Is this is this a pipe dream, or do you think they can actually get solid minutes out of Trey Lyles as a small forward? Uh I mean, if I was a betting man, I would bet against it. Right. But uh, but at the same time, I'm actually really happy to see that they're at least trying that out of the gate and that Trey Wiles seems to have spent the offseason training for it. Yeah, like, he looks great. Are two, those are two good things. Um, they, they obviously need a bigger small forward. There's going to come some time where six foot eight Will Barton at 178 pounds or whatever Will mm. weighs is not going to cut it. Right. You know, that you're going to run into a bigger small forward and neither Will nor six foot four uh, Malik Beasley nor six foot six uh, Tory Craig is going to be able to handle a guy. Right. So if six foot ten ish Trey Wiles can step in and do that against the bigger small forwards, can stay mobile, can defend the perimeter, can, you know, drive past smaller guys or post them up. You know, if he can take advantage of his mismatches and hold down his weaknesses at the three, yeah, they could absolutely use good minutes from him there. There's going to be times this season when they need it. Right. Right. I think when you look at Trey, I mean, at least for me, the biggest question about the three is the lateral quickness. Does he have Does he have that ability to do it? He's never been a guy, I, I think, who's had... Uh, I, I mean, would I, never say, wow, look at the athletic, uh, athleticism that is uh, the package of Trey Wiles. That's right. not a... Yeah. Right, he's not a guy. When you think out at the perimeter, hey, that guy's got quick feet and can and can stay in front of guys. He can, you know, he he moves his hips quickly and, and keeps him in front of guys who are who are trying to get beat him off the dribble. That's that's never seemed to be a thing for his forte. Now he, like we said, I mean, he looks great coming into camp. He looks like he's in the best physical shape in his life. Of course, everybody says that that's how they are. When yeah, they, but he looks really camp. good. Like, right, he might be like he was a he was an out of shape sack of potatoes at Kentucky, right. and he's worked. When he first got there as an 18-year-old, like, that was him, you know, right. and he worked hard at Kentucky to get into shape, and he's worked hard since. He's, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life, but yeah, he's going to need to be. Right, he's going to have to be, because when you think about, I mean, specifically, you think about, the guy who comes to mind immediately is Kevin Durant, right? That's the guy, when you think about him, anybody putting Will Barton against someone, uh, Kevin Durant is the guy, and, and Will even admitted that moving to the small forward position for him, the biggest challenge is going to be defense. So, you know, you think about a guy like a Kevin Durant, who clearly could just shoot over Will Barton all day if he wants, and so... Kevin Durant, who... I mean, Giannis, Chris Middleton, all those, all those, you know, longer, taller, right. heavier guys. LeBron. Braun. Well, yeah, but he'll uh, probably play he, mostly power forward. But he, well, not against if Will Barton's there, I'm sure he'd yeah, have to take on Will Barton. That's absolutely true. <laughs> You're gonna play me with who? Exactly. Okay. 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's and it's just kind of something the league I think is going to a lot in general is if you can get a six foot ten fluid small forward type player, a player who's obviously not a small forward and he's size, more of a height wise the size of a power forward, even a center, but has that. Uh, just has the athleticism and, and the ball handling to be able to play that small forward role. That that is something that the league has found. Basically, I mean, I think a lot a lot of ways has was started by Kevin Durant, uh, or at least that's what really made that that strategy mainstream. You got a guy like that. It's it's very tough to defend just because there's there's not a lot of guys at that height that can do it. So I it, well, I think yeah, it, and I roll back to I roll back to like Danilo Gallinari when he was here and before his knee injury. Right. You know he was he was too tall for threes. And he was too fast for fours, so he could drive the bucket when he wanted. He would shoot over little guys, you know, and with his reach, he would be able to play back a little bit on defense and protect himself from having to have such quick feet and such quick hips because he had a, you know, seven-foot wingspan. Right. And that's what Trey Wiles is working with is a seven-foot wingspan. You know, he can shoot over literal guys. Like, again, if he was facing off against uh, Will Barton, he would just shoot over him. It's fine. Right, right. You know, and if you're and he can he can body up well, or he can drive past some small some slower dudes. It, it's just a combo forward role, and I don't know if if Trey has the quicks to do it. Uh, we talked about this last year with Wancho with uh, right same thing. If uh, Hernan Gomez, if he could get the 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 lateral foot quickness to either drive by guys or stop guys from driving by him, and I didn't think he could do it. I think Trey has a better chance. Um, of doing that, his feet have seemed a little quicker, and he looks to be in great, great shape for this. Um, right. But we're going to find out. Like this is going to be a test. They'll, they'll know early whether he's going to be a huge liability if they just bring in some six foot seven guy to drive past him all the time. Yep. Then that's going to be an issue. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, it's we're we're fixing to find out, right? Because it's as we said, the Nuggets are the Nuggets are don't have a lot of options at the small forward. Role, they don't. So they're going to no. have to. They're going to have to roll with this. I mean, until. Obviously, the <laughs> the wild card and everything we keep coming back to him is Michael Porter Jr. Right? If that guy's healthy right. and that guy's effective, then then problem solved because there's your six foot ten small forward right there. there. There's your six ten small forward who does have some quicks, who right. can definitely shoot the lights out of the gym. Right. Like that's not a concern for him. The concern for him is just health. So until then, you're looking for somebody to fill that role and find out uh, if you have anybody on this team who can do that, or if we're just going to always be. Um, undersized at the position uh, versus half the teams that we face. That's right. all. Yep, and I guess at that point you try and outscore people. You just outscore people. And right. again, that's the Denver Nuggets of this year are going to be the we don't care what you do, we can outscore you kind of Denver Nuggets. It's fine. Right. I saw something on Twitter. Somebody was uh, talking some smack and they were like, oh, Rocket's going to put up 130 on the Nuggets. And then our good friend Ray Martinelli respli- replied, yep, 135 to 130. So, yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, that, that we could see quite a few quite a few games. Um, They'll just like have that. to figure out how to defend the spread pick and roll, man. Like, I know that Malone spent his defense, uh, he spent a lot of time gearing up to defend three-pointers, but I really hope he put some work into uh, defensive footwork with Jokic on mm-hmm. how not to get lobbed over 25 times with Clint Capella. Like, right. that's that's what I'm not looking forward to. And they did. You know what? He actually did specifically speak about Nikola and working on his footwork on defense. That was actually yep. a big... Uh, a big high. So nice, uh, a refreshing thing to hear out of coach on that. Um, so we talked a little bit about Torrey Craig and, and how he's kind of, you know, he's, he, I guess he's the backup small forward. 
uh, right now. But obviously, they, they think Lyles might play some of that spot. So maybe maybe Tory Craig would be more of a a shooting guard scenario. In my opinion, he's definitely the ninth guy in the rotation, which I think they're yeah, gonna he's end a, up he's a swing man. man. He's a defensive swing man. Yeah, absolutely. Right. right. So, but a guy who's been getting a lot of praise in camp so far has been Malik Beasley. So, I mean, what do you think, Gordon? Do you think there's a chance that Malik actually does push Torrey Craig and potentially even wins that outright, wins that rotation spot out of Tor- over Torrey Craig? Um, I would have trouble seeing that just because Torrey Craig does the one thing that Malone loves and that few people on the team can do, and that's play decent defense. Right. Um, especially on a wing, you know, on ball or off ball. He's he, fighting through screens. He's good at that. And Malik Malik has improved his body, and he's he has foot quickness. But I just haven't seen Malik uh, use his athleticism to shut people down. Right. That's not been a thing that he has really done. He hasn't had a lot of time to do it. Sure. But I haven't seen him do it. So because Torrey Craig has one defined role and Malik has no defined roles, I would expect Torrey Craig to be able to be used as a Swiss Army knife. I need a defender right now. Put Craig in the game. Right. You know, right. it's it's an easy call for a coach when he knows he needs to stop to go get a defender. And he's like, I know that I don't know if you can hit those threes yet. I mean, I hope that Torrey Craig can. He hit them all in the G League. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm waiting to see a shot come in the pros. But if it doesn't, I still know that you're out there to play defense for the next five minutes until my right. starters get back in. Just don't let that guy score anymore. Absolutely. That, another interesting, it's funny, we're, we're hitting on all this stuff that I didn't think that we would hit on, but uh, another interesting thing That's why I'm talking really out, fast. We just got to keep going. Right. That's right. Another interesting thing that came out of media day was Tim Connolly, I think I uh, had mentioned, you know, how much he liked how Torrey Craig looked and his, his specifically his three-point shooting, how much he thought that had, Torrey had worked on that over the offseason and, and and had improved that. So that'd be... He should. Right. That's, I mean, that's what you're... <laughs> that's ultimately Three and D, man. Need. Like, yeah. if you can do both things, you are incredibly valuable. Yeah, you'll get playing time. And that's that's kind of where I think it's going to come down to in yeah. that in that battle is what guy can give them the most consistency on both ends of the court. As you said, I mean, coach is going to go with the guy who gives them the most consistency on the defensive end first and foremost. Right. But if Malik, you know, plays solid defense and is also knocking down threes at a 40% clip and, and scoring points and playing within the, the flow of the offense and, and being an asset on that. And then, yeah, I think they, they would have to go with him. I think that's the thing though. And I think coach alluded to it at, uh, at training camp this week. That's the thing that we have to see out of Malik. Can he consistently get it? Yeah, yes. exactly. No, that's, that's what Malik is, is that guy that I looked at when we drafted him and I was, I was very intrigued by the, the skill package that he had. He is extremely athletic. He's got a great three point shot in college. He, you know, he could drive the, the, the hoop and dunk like a maniac. Like, and he has the athleticism to go ahead and fight through every screen and defend everything. But he hasn't done all of that. Not right. not in any one game. Like, he might be able to shoot, but then he'll get lost on defense. Or he'll defend, but he can't throw it in the ocean. Like, he has not been able to put it together in a package. And when they leave him out here in these summer league games, there's usually not a... They're not giving him a point guard to work with, necessarily. And so they're they're putting more um, uh, more ball control in his hands, which he should not have. Malik's an off-ball kind of guy. He's a spot-up shooter, you know, run through traffic, dunk balls, do back do back cuts. He should not be passing and dribbling and doing too much of that at the moment. That's not yeah. his game. Right. So if but with Jokic and if he can get in the game with even again Monte Morris, 
who he didn't play with enough in summer league, in my opinion. Um, if you give him a guy who can get him the ball in the right spot, then it shows up to Malik not to think about the game and just to play the game. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing is if he can do that. If he can just play the game and not think so hard about it, then I th- then maybe he has a shot to dethrone Craig and, and take that eighth or ninth man spot. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's with Malik. I think you always kind of see what we were talking about before about how veteran guys come off the bench, even though they haven't been playing a lot, and they they just kind of are able to step right in and and yep. not do too much, but still be effective. With Malik, uh, anytime he's <coughs> excuse me, anytime he's got that opportunity, he's he's tended to it's it's like he's pressing right, which is more of a a baseball yes. term, but um, but even so, you're you're trying to show that these five minutes I deserve more minutes, and that's really hard to do. You just got to play. Right, right, exactly. And that's, it's, it's just such a true thing in sports. Anytime I think about it, and obviously yep. this is a stupid comparison because I'm nowhere near the level these guys are. But, <laughs> uh, anytime I play sports, you know, if you, if you like they say, if, you, if you're squeezing the bat a little bit too much or you're, um, you know, you're gripping, gripping the stick, we'll just get all the, all the different sports uh, sayings in here. But, um, you know, anytime, if, you get, if you do that, it's just, it's, it's just very true. Every time you do that, you end up – you end up not doing as well as if you had just you just kind of let the game come to you. So I think if Malik that happens can to me with do beer that... pong, man, yeah, like I, I just <laughs> yes. I bounce the ball too high. It just isn't working for me. I'm stressing too hard. Uh, I, 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 brief tangent. Um, I I was the only person in college to I when shooting beer pong. You know, most people with beer pong they do little little, little wrist flick. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm straight up lining up that free throw, man. That's that's my of that is my beer punch. <laughs> right. <laughs> got to make sure I'm at a place Swish. that has a nice a nice tall ceiling because I need to <laughs> I got to get that arc uh, going in there. But yeah, swishing it, man. That was that's the way to do it if you can pull it off. And then and then you just hey, look if you way can make it. Yep. Well, you know that helps when you have the little hands, I guess. Like. <laughs> That's that's rough. That's rough. How are you gonna <laughs> take a, take a low blow there? Um, I, especially because I'm now about to move into the topic that I specifically put on here because I knew I was gonna have Gordon Gross, which is I want to talk more about Monty Morris because hey. as uh, as 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 Gordon has claimed and as I, I can vouch for, he is he, the original driver of the Monty Morris bandwagon. Was was all about it the night on draft night when when, when they got him. Um, yep. I am. I am on record as saying he was their best draft pick of the night. So yeah, I was. I mean, he was. I, I said. I said it would have been fine drafting him twenty four. When yeah. when people ask me how they like how I felt about Monte Morris. So right. yeah, I've I've been on that train for a minute. Let's just be clear. He wasn't the best draft pick that night. Uh, that obviously, is, obviously, Vlatko. Obviously, it's, it's Vlatko. yeah. It's it's very clearly Vlatko Chan Charlie. <laughs> that's that's for another day. Um, but uh, so I'm sort of a redundant question here, but. Uh, I mean, I guess, how good do you feel about Monty Morris? And I guess for you, Gordon, as a guy who, who's had the faith in him, how excited are you that, you know, it kind of comes in a, in a sort of a crappy situation with Isaiah being hurt, but how excited are you that, you know, Monty's going to get some real burn uh, here in the beginning of the season? Very stoked to see him get early minutes, consistent early bench minutes. The hardest thing to do is to be that third point guard and not know when you're going to play and maybe you play off ball. He started in the G League playing off ball um, because he was playing with Briante Weber, who had the ball in his hands all the time. Right. And then Briante got called up, and they they moved the ball more into Monte's hands, and so Monte got to do more things in the G League with the ball in his hands as opposed to just off ball. But the Nuggets wanted to prepare him for the idea that the ball might not always be in your hands, that you might have to be a two guard on this team, um, and so you have to you know float to a position, hang out do spot-up shooting, whereas Monte's been a, a point guard his whole his whole career. 
I mean, he is one of the most decorated point guards in the history of the NCAA. So right. he's a really, really, really quality. People call him a pure point guard, and as like that, some sort of um, I don't know slight. Right. Uh, Monte Monte can shoot. He's worked on his shooting form this off season to correct a couple of things, but he's always been able to hit a very decent number of shots. That's right. shooting is not his issue. Um, but I, I'm stoked to see that he's going to be able to run the team, be able to handle the offense for the bench. Uh, I just felt like it's been missing from this team for a few years now. A guy who can step in, control the bench flow, not let things get out of control, not let the other team go on, I don't know, maybe a 24-6 to run, for instance, <laughs> um, at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth quarter before the starters can come back in. That's the sort of thing that should not happen with Monte. He'll know when to slow the ball down. He'll know not to turn the ball over. Like those are the those are the things you need a heady point guard to do. And I know that he doesn't have the experience in the NBA, but I expect him to learn very quickly. And that's what I'm very happy about. Is that it very much increases the floor of the the Nuggets bench. Right. It makes it hard for them to be the disaster zone they were occasionally last year. Right. It's uh the the thing mostly about what your backup point guard that you really want is like don't just just value the ball and and just get yep. us just carry us through this time while our starters are out and running off and when when Jokic and and, and Murray are, are are out uh and mostly Jokic I mean just just make it so we're not a complete dumpster fire when yeah. when don't somebody else don't throw the ball away in the paint paint don't like turn the ball over in the backcourt don't try to do an oop that bounces off the rim. Like, these are the – that leads to a fast break the other way. Don't like, dribble the ball off your foot. Don't – yeah, don't dribble the ball off your foot out of bounds, for instance. Like uh, these, man, <laughs> But these are the things that we missed. Moutier, Moutier's on-court vision and presence regressed over his time here. Right. And it, it was very it was very hard to run anything off the bench with him. Just he didn't see it. He didn't see the plays. He didn't see what the defense was doing. He didn't understand what was coming at him. Um, and he thought he could do everything with athleticism that he didn't quite have. Right. Like he thought he had more athleticism than he did. And Monte Morris doesn't make that mistake. Um, but he does finish well in traffic around trees, which is yep. strange considering he's not a big guy. He's not. He's very slight and he's not that tall. Right. Um, as and, I've said. As, as I've said, the guy that Monty Morris reminds me of is Andre Miller, which is which is high praise because Andre Miller is a, oh, yeah. a phenomenal point guard. Um, but I see a lot of that, and, and Monty hopefully a little bit better of a three point shooter than uh, Andre Miller did. I think we always cringed anytime Andre would oh, yes. decide to shoot that three. But that mid range game, you know, I, one thing that I really I noticed is both Monty and Andre. One thing they're great off great at is getting that guy off the dribble, um, yep. getting in the lane, and then stopping on a dime and, and just getting that fifteen footer uh, and and knocking it down that's that's something both those guys have i see a lot of that uh, from monty uh, that that similarities to andre's game he doesn't quite have the old man post game that that andre did no but they but he has the vision he can throw the oop he can he can find the right guy he sees the floor like the floor vision is one of those things i feel like you either have it or you don't it's the reason that i'm still not quite sure whether jamal murray is a real point guard or whether he's a two guard who can dribble and pass pretty well like yeah, that's what I need to see from Jamal is that growth in his ability to see the whole floor and understand what's happening. Uh, and Monte, again, who's, who's older than Jamal, um, he has that, and he has that ability to look at the floor and look around at everything that's happening and find the right play. And that's what Jokic does, and that's what we need from the bench player is to find the right play to make the right pass, whether you take the right shot. 
but it's been missing from the Nuggets bench for years, and I'm glad that it should be back this year. Absolutely, whether it's whether it's Monte or eventually Isaiah Thomas, Monte or Isaiah Thomas, eventually they they have backup plans for that bench, and I think it's good that they do. Absolutely. All right, let's we we got to get to uh, we got to get to the Lakers game because it is it let's is tomorrow it. and it's the first preseason game. So I mean the big story obviously the Lakers is LeBron James. Um, they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they got LeBron. Right I haven't there. heard anything about that this offseason. <laughs> right, right. LeBron probably not going to play too much tomorrow. What, what do you think? Like a quarter might play a little bit in the first quarter. Yeah, he might he's... start, and then once he goes out, he's out for the rest of the game. Or yeah, I don't expect him to play much. I, I mean, if he gets more than like I don't know, fifteen, eighteen minutes, I'll be surprised. Right. It's kind of it's interesting because he's on a new team, so you you want him. Right. They're going to want him to get some yeah. time. Right. You're going to want to get some time to actually gel in a live game situation uh, with your teammates because otherwise, you know, it's kind of like how how Tom Brady for a long time. I think no, it wasn't. It was Ladanian Tomlinson. Ladanian Tomlinson never played preseason. Right. Never. Yep. Never. Because yeah. because they were like, why? What what is the point? We know this guy's the, the one of the best running backs in the league. Where there's no point in risking it. It's almost that way with LeBron. If he was still on the Cavs, I would be I would be pounding the table like, why are you even playing him in the preseason? That is just dumb. You know, there's no point in taking any risk whatsoever. With the Lakers, I see it because, like I said, he's on a new team, new teammates, the kind of new system, all that. And and LeBron, obviously, being as uh, as big of an impact player as he is, you're, it's almost more the team needs to adjust playing with him more than he needs to adjust playing with them. He knows what he's doing. They have to figure out how to get in the right spots and not get the passes bounced off their face. Right, right. So I think they'll give him obviously a little bit of a little bit of time. But yeah, I'm with you. I I, I don't expect him to play. I I honestly would be surprised if he plays more than like ten minutes because it's just again, it, why risk it? I mean, it's you're going to make him play season. 43 minutes a game during the season. You might as right. well let him rest now. Right, absolutely. And and even if you get off to a little bit of a slow start to start the season, you're I mean, it's tougher because the West is so is so competitive this year. But you got to believe that you'll be fine if if you get off to a, a rocky start in the ten games, and then then you start See, figuring out. And you roll I, I don't there. think they will be fine, but I believe they think they'll be fine. Yes. All right. So f- fair enough. I, I I am not I am not sure if they get off to a slow start in ten games. I don't think they make the playoffs. It's the West is so hard. That is, uh, yeah. That I mean, it is true. It's gonna man. We could. I, could I mean, I know it's Braun, but but Braun hasn't had to play in the West like. It's and he's it's got a, a crazy group of animal. teammates. So, well, and I don't know what his teammates can do, and they're all young, and I'm not sure about half their basketball IQ. Right, so, right. like, it's really weird. And they have this, and the collection of vets they brought in is like anti basketball IQ. Right. So you know, I, I'm really not sure. It's such a strange mix of teammates that that it's gonna take some alchemy to get all that to work. Now he's a wizard. Like I, it, right. well, he was a calf. But you know, it, he he may make this work. But uh, I I just it's such a strange strange thing to see. Yeah, it's kind of an intro. I've always said this about when uh, because everybody's trying to feel like what are the Lakers doing with this roster? Because I kind of think the Lakers just got a bunch of guys that they're like, all right, uh, we're on, they're obviously going to try again because they sign everybody to one year deals. Oh yeah, they're no, not, they're killing time until next year, right? Yeah. And, and so they're like, this year let's just get like the meanest, nastiest group of dudes we can, and maybe we won't be able to beat the Warriors, but we'll sure make sh- sure that they feel us anytime we play them. You know, if, right? Well, you know, and I, I really think that this year for the Lakers. That's why I don't I if somebody asked the Lakers if they were going to make the playoffs, they would say, "Well, we're the Lakers, we should always win a title, whatever, blah blah blah." But I I don't think if you asked them off the record that they would be like, "Oh yeah, we 100% expect to make the playoffs this year." 
This right. is a play for market share, for media attention with LeBron, and that you would have in a year a team that is better suited and a guy who can teach your point guard how to do the things that LeBron does. Right. You know, and how to lead a team and, and how to do some other things. How to handle media attention. How to handle media attention without, like, job. pissing off his teammates. Yeah, right. all of that. Right. Yeah, and and then you, of course, like I said, they'll, they'll have the cap space next year to go after a, a, yep. a max free agent. And so then you get, you've got LeBron, another star player, and then you've got three three young guys on rookie contracts that uh, that, that are so vital to, to putting together a competitive team when you're going to take yep. so much of your cap space with with just a pair of players. So. And then when they start to make – those guys have experience now. You have those rookies with experience, which is the right. really important thing. Right, yeah. yeah. Rookies who are, who are actively helping your team, not hurting you while they're developing. So exactly. That's, that's a big difference. All right, so you can't say Monty Morris for this question. But right. other than him, what player are you, are you most look, excited to, to see play tomorrow? Michael Porter No. Uh, <laughs> You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, honestly, I got to see Trey Wiles. I've got to see him in action, like, you know, roaming around the three-point line, defending the perimeter. I got to see what this looks like. Like, I am dying to see what it is that he has been doing over the offseason and whether he's just in really good shape or whether he changed his basketball shape. And that's what I want to know. Right, yeah, that's a, that. That is a good, a uh, good one. And obviously, like you said, you know, if he's going to play the three, we we would expect to see some of that um, tomorrow as well. That's a good one. You know, another one that I'm, I'm I don't think people are, are talking about too much. Mason Plumley is a guy who has apparently been impressing a lot uh, in camp. Mason's in kind of a weird spot because he plays center and Jokic is so strange. Center. Yeah. Right, but the thing that people that not not people, I would say that Chris Dempsey specifically uh, of Altitude TV was bringing up. People forget, you know, people, everybody gives Jamal a pass on his rookie year because he had those sports hernias. People get, Mason Plumlee had a sports hernia. They didn't ever come out and basically say it, but that, that's essentially what that's he what had. That's what he had, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So him, for him to now be healthy uh, and at full full blast, from what we've been hearing out of camp is that that guy looks really good. So I'm interested to see how he looks, and I'm interested to get a look of how are the Nuggets going to find a way to get Mason minutes if he's deserving. And the only way you're going to do it is you're going to have to play him and Jokic together. So I, I'm interested to see if they go to that at some point in this first preseason game. You don't have game. to. You can play him and Millsap together. Sure, but then the, then you're taking away from Jokic's minutes. That's the thing is if you want Jokic to play 35 minutes, well, then that that only leaves 13 minutes at center for, for yeah. Mason. So, I see what you're saying. But it's uh, for me, uh, Mason Mason's one of those guys where he's going to need the point guard. He's got Isaiah Thomas who can run a great pick and roll. He's got Monte Morris who can handle the pick and roll. Like you got to get him back to doing what he did with Damian Lillard, right? Um, and if you can do that, he should be a better Mason Plumley because you have a point guard who's not hanging him out to dry all the time. Um, nice. But like you said, that you still have to find minutes, and I don't. I just don't know where the minutes are going to come from if Nicola's really going to play thirty-three ish minutes a game. Right, right, because you, I think I, ideally you'd like Mace to be somewhere around like twenty, twenty-two. Sure, uh, but like, you, like you said, yeah, like you said, you'll need him to play a lot of four at that point, and right. I don't know that there's the minutes at four. Right, and yeah, and I just because of, as we saw last year, the problem with Mace, of course, is that he can't shoot, and then so he's yeah. got to park down in the lane. But when you got a guy a big park down in the lane, and you're trying to run Jokic ball. Uh, yeah, it's it, it doesn't really work. You it know, complicates it. Yeah, it's, it's and we've seen that now for three years because with 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 Mason Plumlee with Yusuf Nurkic, yeah. right? I mean, we we've seen how that goes, 
and it's it's been tough. You know, I mean, you try and look at maybe because one guy who did make it work who couldn't really shoot all that well either was Kenneth Fareed, but he always played fairly well uh, next to Jokic. So I wonder if they you try now, especially with Mason being fully healthy and having his athleticism back, if they try and do some of those kind of concepts. But I, I can think it, I could see it, but it's just it's going to be hard for him. It's such an adjustment. It's hard, and because in Fareed, you could sometimes trick people into covering him out, not out to the three point line, but out to the mid range. Nobody's if, if you if Mason Plum takes a mid-range shot that's a win for the defense you know right. so so that's everybody's gonna let it give him that and that's i don't know i'm with you but i'm, I'm interested to see if they if they go to it and then and then how it works how and they if use this guy is gonna be big this year Absolutely. whether they're gonna bet big minutes on him and try to spend a lot of time with him with uh with Jokic, or whether they're just gonna pay him a, a million dollars a minute and just let it go right and 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 that's and just yeah and just bite the bullet and it is what it is um because obviously Mason's on the last year of his deal, so there's a. Uh, um, no, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that because he got traded two years ago, so he's got one more. Stop year hallucinating. He's not on the last year of his deal. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Nothing against Mason, of course, but uh, that contract was, and nothing against Mason for signing it. I mean, more power to him, but no, nope, um, I would sign it too. Yep, but it is. It's just kind of a. It's just kind of an issue because they they just haven't been able to figure that out. So that's what I'll be watching. Um, and that is going to basically do it for our show because we are, we are out of time. Cause I'm guessing we had one more question, but I'm guessing your answer is going to be the same as mine. Does winning matter at all tomorrow? Gordon? It matters. Not at all. It matters Absolutely. less than anything. Yep. Yeah, right, Just play, exactly. be healthy, look good. Win the first quarter. And that's really helicopter. Right, right. <laughs> you know? So, all right. Well, everybody, make sure you are following us on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Gordon is at G Money Dogs. Make sure you guys are also following uh, Adam Mottas and, and Brendan Vo uh, at Adam underscore Mottas at BVOGT422. Those guys are both, like we said, out in San Diego for us. Uh, current team. As is Mike Olson. He will be at the game tomorrow. The only Denver sports outlet to have three different uh, writers there at the at the game. We will have them all there. So also Mike Olson at Visible Mike. Make sure you're, of course, following Denver Stiffs at Denver Stiffs and Nothing But Net Radio at nbn Radio over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. We stepped up our social media game this this season already, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be well worthwhile following that account as well as over following us over on Facebook because you guys are gonna get a lot of content that you're not necessarily gonna even see on our site. Uh, so you wanna make sure you're following those social media platforms, get all that extra Denver Nuggets content. If you guys are listening to the podcast version of this, I say it every week. Why are you not listening to Nothing But Net Radio? You can download the Dash Radio app on your phone listen to it in the car at work anywhere you go get all kinds of team specific shows just like this one general nba shows and then some cool music in between so make sure you guys are checking that out but if you are listening to the podcast version we would appreciate if you subscribed and left us a rating all right gordon as always my friend appreciate you being on always man and uh we get more uh basketball tomorrow so cue it up give me some popcorn Find me a seat. Let's go. It's finally the the wait is over. We are here. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.